Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging a hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uctana, and today we'll be talking about two things which will greatly improve your experience working in the Akashics, asking and not assuming. There are two rather common and related problems which can trip up a student working in the Akashics. One is being too much of an observer or spectator during a meditation, and the other is moving too quickly to assume the meaning of or put a label on what is presented. Both keep the student from receiving the full wisdom contained in the moment or experience, or even twist things in a direction which wasn't originally intended. Being an observer, spectator, or consumer is something we're taught in both religious and spiritual contexts. Religions of the book include many accounts of spiritual beings coming from a non-human realm, bringing messages and gifts beyond the understanding or capabilities of embodied people. Some are meant to help lift us out of negative behaviors and achieve enlightenment, or to evolve as beings while others are meant to teach us through negative experience, causing us to stumble, struggle, and in the end persevere against adversity. Other religions include visitations by gods and highly evolved beings who seek to help us understand a world beyond our daily round, or to fully encompass our human nature so we can move beyond it to live for the best and highest good of ourselves and all those connected with us. In spiritual community, more and more people seek to channel wisdom from other realms, to work with ascended beings, masters of various realities, and so to bring new abilities, ways of being, healing modalities, and connection into embodied life. To do this, a subordinate relationship is created, somewhat like that of a professional translator working to translate one language to another. The translator is not the owner of the message, but only a means to make the message understandable to the person who is receiving it, whether the person be looking for information, energy healing, soul parts, their higher self, or access to their past lives. All of this sets up an unequal relationship between a perceived authority somewhere out there and a receiver. In order to receive, we're taught to let go of our ego, submit to the wisdom offered, and assume the message is a mandate to act in some fashion for ourselves or others. We're asked to give up our critical thinking skills and assume we cannot know or understand the full reasoning for why things are happening in the way they are. We're admonished to believe all things happen for a reason, and we cannot necessarily know what reason, but it's for our best interest. We're to take things on faith, and if we do, all will be revealed in time, everything will work out, and we will be better for it. This mixes oddly with the common desire to do good works, to serve, to help others, thereby creating a situation where those who have agreed not to attempt to understand what is happening are then holding space for others who are themselves seeking help. Thus is created a loop of people getting help without answers, which doesn't necessarily resolve the issue, or answers which don't necessarily help or even apply to the question. When we enter into the Akashics with this idea of being a spectator, 
of accessing a realm which is full of authorities like a school full of teachers prepared for our first day in class, we're able to receive a great deal of information. However, it's often the case what we get makes no immediate sense. In my classes, students are first directed to their own Akashic room. This is a room which is for and represents them, is filled with items which have tremendous amounts of not only relevance to their current life, but also wisdom to impart, much like each being a psychologist, which has already examined an aspect of the person's life in depth and is waiting to provide a report. Unfortunately, it's not uncommon for students to ignore this room entirely, skipping past it with the assumption it's a foyer or vestibule. Students are then directed to a space, designated as such because it could be a room, a waterfall, a meadow, or an expanse of arctic tundra, and to investigate. Unlike the student's room, this space is particular to them, but not specific to them. It's a public space they're attuned to, and it's focused more on the spiritual growth or work their soul is doing with this embodied life and less on daily logistics and emotional development. Within this space is an object which has been invited specifically for the student. This item is relevant to their soul growth and spiritual path. It is also a being which wishes to work with a student. To this end, it can impart great wisdom while being held or interacted with, but only if asked to do so. Again, Unfortunately, it's not uncommon for students to be in purely receptive mode, somewhat like the experience of being in an amusement park or a museum. They experience the space and their object as displays from which they are to interpret information or emotional engagement rather than gain experience or connection. They seek to put a name or label on things in order to understand them intellectually, and make them a relevant bit they can then translate into the life they're already living, or as an experience which enhances their life while not impacting it. Key one. It's a conversation, so ask questions and engage. While being receptive to someone who is wise or an elder, an authority or a specialist in a subject can be honoring, and allow us to get out of our own way, it can be a hindrance when the point of a situation is to work with the material or interact with the beings involved. This is why I describe working with Akashic beings as having a conversation rather than receiving message or getting downloads. While the beings we meet are not constrained by the necessary limitations of linear time and embodiment, nor are they able to savor its pleasures. We who have chosen to embody are not lesser, but part of the spiritual community. Therefore, Akashic beings such as our animal guides, spiritual guides, mentors, librarians, and so on, do not treat us as children, but as friends in need of information, guidance, or simply companionship while we work. To get the full benefit of Akashic practice, it helps to think of ourselves as engaged in a deep spiritual conversation with a colleague, best friend, or fellow traveler. 
When we're in these types of conversations, we don't expect the other person to fully know everything about us, be able to hear our heart, to make assumptions about our intentions, or to act on our behalf without permission. In fact, a significant part of the joy found in these moments comes from being able to fully express ourselves, be understood, to understand another in turn, find commonality, share insights, and both come away enriched in a variety of ways. This is why most Akashic beings won't initiate conversation with students and can sometimes make things uncomfortable by staring for long periods of time. Unless and until the student engages them in conversation, it's really not their place to do so. They aren't the ones seeking information, enlightenment, or unfolding, and it would be incredibly rude to interrupt someone who is. So one of the things I highly recommend to anyone working in the Akashics is ask. Take the initiative and ask. Ask why an animal has come to work with them what their form means, and what wisdom they might have to share that day. Ask why a particular librarian has come to work with you. Ask why this or that item is in your room. Ask the special item itself what it means, why it wants to work with you, and what you're to do with it. Ask and ask and ask. The more you ask, from a perspective of being an adult and competent human being, the more the wisdom you are seeking will unfold. Asking also helps with the other common student issue, which is moving too fast and assuming or assigning meaning to something seen or experienced. Like anyone having a conversation, the reason for communicating is to get the meaning across to the other person. We therefore attempt to use words gestures, concepts, tones, and facial expressions which elicit the desired response in the other person. We've all experienced moments when the other person gives us a blank response or the huh face, so we start backtracking, simplifying, using other words, adding gestures, and even raising the volume of our voice to get the point across. The most common and often hilarious example of this is meeting with someone who doesn't speak your native language. You start sorting through words they might understand, slowing things down, looking for acknowledgement through nod or smile, and liberally demonstrating through gesture what you mean. This is relevant, because all beings in the Akashics do the same thing. In fact, the entire Akashics is built on this premise. Most students get confused or distressed because what they experience in the Akashics is all too familiar. It can seem as if they're making it all up in their head because everything looks, feels, and seems familiar. All the items are things they recognize. All the sounds and scents are familiar. Even the scenarios don't feel too far off from their regular lives. Instead of some huge revelation, something remarkable which strikes them like a light on the road to Damascus, they see a bit of home, a pet they once had, a cottage they grew up in, or a park they visit on a regular basis. However, if the point is communication and not revelation or some kind of physical transformation, 
then using experiences, forms, and languages the student isn't familiar with and can't understand is useless. Beings in the Akashics will take forms, use a visual vocabulary as it were, which the student is familiar with in order to communicate with them clearly and efficiently. Over time, as the student builds up a relationship and a rapport with the beings they work with, communication can swing wider into new areas of interest, include new vocabulary, and like any close friendship, create shared experience and shortcuts which relate to entire concepts. The drawback to this process is some students tend to think they know what they know and don't really listen to what is being communicated. They see a heart shape and think this is about relationships rather than heart disease and move on to the next thing. They see a wolf and think, what a great totem, without asking why a lone wolf would come to work with them, as lone wolves are the exception and not the rule within wolf society. They enter a garden and think Eden or castle or connection with nature and never ask who tends it or what it was created for in the first place, nor why they've been invited. Assuming we know what a thing means commodifies it. Just think of the word like, which no longer has any true meaning in English. It's become an overused term for teens from the 2000s and almost a negative when talking about relationship. That we like something means we're tepid about it. Liking something is now pointing instead to avoiding the offense of admitting we're neutral or negative towards it. Like has moved to being a commodity, a label we can assign like a rating, which gives us a modicum of power over it. Labeling something in the Akashics as this or that takes away the wonder and gives us the ability to arrange it in such a way we construct a narrative of what it means. Once we've done this, we can feel assured we've received a message and move on. While this gives us a feeling of confidence and forward progression, especially when we're intending to find answers to a specific problem and to receive constructive action items we can then apply, it can actually cause us to miss the entire point of the communication lose vital parts of the process being described, or even twist the message into something it was not meant to convey. Key 2. Don't assume what something means. When we assume we know what something means, we don't investigate. We don't interact with the items being presented. We don't ask questions. And we don't open ourselves to aspects of things which might be anomalous. Assuming means we don't have to look too deep. I once asked a student to hold an item she'd been working with for some time. She did, sensing its size and weight, feeling the shape, and looking at the details. I could see she was unaware the item was waiting to start communicating with her. I suggested she acknowledge the item was not an inanimate object, but a being presenting itself in what she perceived as an inanimate shape, and that she asked it to introduce itself. When she did, it was as if she could see inside the item, and an entire world was inside, which she had never realized. She was looking down as if from a height, and could discern layer after layer of meanings and wisdom, like floors of a high-rise building, but with no end in sight. 
Immediately, she felt a fear of falling inwards, and yet it didn't happen. For the same reason a friend won't let you fall into their mouth while they're speaking. The communication the item offered was to be expressed telepathically and spiritually with an empathic component. Once the student allowed this, the conversation became rich, nuanced, and enlightening. This is important for students working not only in their rooms, but in their problem-solving boxes, with their guides, with animal guides and totems, and even within the Temple of Life. What we assume as the meaning of something we're shown is often the very shallow, surface-level meaning of something, like the symbols used at airports to direct us towards necessary areas or services. These meanings may be true in general, but they are rarely the level of communication being offered. Asking a being what they mean or why they are appearing in the form they show can help us open up to deeper levels and actionable truth. Holding objects in our hands or touching what we perceive as inanimate objects allows us the same opportunity. When we enter into a caching exploration with an open mind, the perspective of an equal or peer coming for conversation and the willingness to ask rather than assume or passively receive, there is no end to the practical wisdom we can receive. And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be discussing the basics concerning totems, such as how many you have, what relationship you can build with them, how to invite them into your physical life, as well as how to work with them in the Akashics. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please take a minute to show it some love on iTunes. Your comments are also appreciated. Thanks. Bye.